Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 24th, 2022 from AT's living room here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at some of the biggest moments from last week's first congressional district debate between Republican incumbent Nancy Mace and Democratic challenger Dr. Annie Andrews. We also got some big news events coming up that we want you to know about. And in business, we talk about BMW's big news. And in medical, we take a look at how state officials are working to improve mental health access for school children. Also, we want to hear your stories. So that's why we set up a voicemail box to hear from you guys about what's going on in your world. It's fall. The clocks are about to fall back. The elections are coming up. We're less than two weeks away. Things are happening. Let us know what you're doing at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and something you think we should know about. Weigh in on any of the hot takes that we have, or bring us your own. Maybe you have a ghost story because you've been listening to South of Spooky. Let us know, 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Now, I'll give you an update on COVID trends on Saturday when DHEC gives us new data. But since we're here, let's look at the monkeypox outbreak, which has slowed in the state and nationwide. The week ending October 15th marked the fourth week of declining cases of MPOX, with just four being confirmed by DHEC, pushing the state to a total of 202 since the first case was reported in mid-June. Weekly cases peaked at 28 for the week ending August 6, a time when the Genius vaccine became available. So far, 3,174 doses have been given out of the 4,300 vials given to us by the federal government. An emergency use authorization has expanded availability of the limited vaccine through the use of fractional dosing, which health officials say provides a similar immunity response to a full dose. Now for those who are eligible, that would be any man who has sex with men, including gay or bisexual men, transgender or gender nonconforming individuals, or any person receiving HIV PrEP treatment, they are eligible to receive the vaccine. You can schedule your appointment by calling the DHEC care line at 1-855-472-3432 or by going to scdhec.gov mpx. We have a couple things for you in politics today, and let's start off by looking at the latest involving Senator Lindsey Graham's legal turmoil over his role in the 2020 election in Georgia. Associated Press reporter and friend of the pod, Meg Kennard, reports that U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham on Friday asked the U.S. Supreme Court to intervene after a lower court ordered him to testify before a special grand jury in Georgia, investigating whether then-President Donald Trump and others illegally tried to influence the 2020 election in the state. In a filing with the court, attorneys for the South Carolina Republican sought to halt Graham's possible testimony while he continues to appeal the requirement to appear before the Fulton County Special Grand Jury, saying that the filing was, quote, to defend the Constitution and the institutional interest of the Senate, quote, Graham's office said he was seeking to overturn a ruling that, quote, would significantly impact the ability of senators to gather information in connection with doing their job, quote. Kennard continues in saying that a three-judge panel of the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals had ruled Thursday in favor of Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, who wants to question Graham about phone calls he made to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger 
in the weeks after the election. Raffensperger said Graham asked whether he had the power to reject certain absentee ballots, something Raffensperger took as a suggestion to toss out legally cast votes. Graham has dismissed that interpretation as, quote, ridiculous. On Monday afternoon, the Associated Press reported the following out of Washington. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas temporarily blocked Graham's testimony to that special grand jury. Thomas's order is intended to prevent Willis from compelling Graham to testify while the Supreme Court weighs the center's request for a lengthier halt to the proceedings. Willis has a deadline of Thursday to tell the high court why Graham should have to answer the grand jury's questions. Lower courts have ruled that this testimony can take place. Thomas acted on his own as the justice who handles emergency appeals from Georgia. Now to the first congressional district debate, where on October 19th, the two candidates, incumbent Republican Representative Nancy Mace and Democratic challenger Dr. Annie Andrews, met for their one and only debate. The hour-long debate was broadcast on WCBD, Count on Two, in Charleston, and covered a variety of issues. The opening question focused around the economy, and here's Congresswoman Nancy Mace talking about tackling inflation, followed by Dr. Annie Andrews. One of the other issues in addressing inflation is looking at the supply chain. Uh, I sit on three different committees uh, in, in the U.S. Congress today. We didn't have a single hearing in my first term in office about the supply chain. The excessive costs of, to make goods and to get goods here, we're seeing that. We're now seeing uh, with the marine diesel right now, prices in going up and scarcity in marine diesel. That'll increase prices as well. If we don't address our supply chain, we are going to uh, take even take longer to get through this. Um, we saw Bloomberg uh, just a few days ago, too, say we are guaranteed to be in a recession. This is an issue, deficit spending, taxes that both Republicans and That's Democrats alike have contributed to and that we've got to fix. Thank you. Dr. Andrews, on your website, you say we must focus on solutions to make life more affordable for hardworking Americans. So tell us, what are your top two solutions to help those hardworking Americans? You have 60 seconds. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the question. It's a pleasure to be here this evening. When we talk about inflation and rising costs for American families, I think it's important that we're really honest with ourselves about the cause of inflation, that we are emerging from a global pandemic. And inflation is a global problem. And two ways we could really help families fix their bottom line is to lower the price of prescription drugs. And that's why I was so disappointed when Representative Mace has voted twice against capping the cost of insulin, and she voted against allowing Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices and capping the out-of-pocket cost for patients on Medicare. Reducing prescription drug crisis prices would be a very effective way to help families struggling to meet their bottom line. The other thing we need to do is to start making more things here in America. The Chips and Science Act, with which Representative Mace also voted against, helps us bring more manufacturing back to America so that we are less reliant on the global supply chain. A follow-up for you now. Do you blame the Biden stimulus plan for the current economic situation we're in now? You have 30 seconds. Absolutely not. And that's one of the things that drives me crazy about politicians. It's not about placing blame. It's about solving problems. As a pediatrician, I don't have the luxury of walking into a sick child's room and just walking out and blaming someone for the child's illness. I have to solve the problems in front of me. So we are facing global inflation, and it is a result of the pandemic. But I feel the pain. I grocery shop for my growing, hungry three children, and I've been driving up and down this district, filling up my tank of gas, and I feel the pain. And we all have to work together in a bipartisan manner to find solutions. The two were also questioned about their stance on abortion. 
But as we know, that is an issue currently before state lawmakers, not those in Washington, despite Senator Lindsey Graham's attempt to get a 15-week nationwide ban. But some of the biggest fireworks in the debate happened around gender-affirming care for transgender children. Here's what Mace had to say and Andrew's response. Thank you. I think that anything that is permanent and irreversible, like hormonal puberty blockers, those are irreversible. Sex change surgery on minor children, those things are irreversible. That is child abuse, and I would not support it. We just saw Vanderbilt suspend uh, those kinds of procedures at their hospital due to the public outrage when the public found out about it. I read an article just the other day about Georgetown University teaching their medical students that puberty blockers are reversible when they're not. And there's so much that we just don't know. Uh, puberty can be, you know, it's life-changing. And when you give these kinds of drugs to kids, when you do these kind of permanent procedures that are irreversible, you can't take that back. And I've read stories of, of teenage girls that are, you know, 14 or 15, had a double mastectomy, and then realized a year later they really didn't want to transition. Well, they can't take that back. So we shouldn't be doing anything to any child under the age of 18, full stop. Let them decide that once nature has taken its course and it's safer and they're an adult and can consent to those decisions. Representative Mays, I'd like to follow up with you. What do you say to children and their parents who believe that this treatment is necessary for them and after consulting with their doctor, they deemed it necessary, but you are calling this treatment child abuse. Mm -hmm. If one of them were here right now, what would you say to them? You have 30 seconds. Sex change surgery on a minor child is child abuse. That's something my opponent supported uh, as recently as last year until a few weeks ago when we called her out on it. I would not support uh, a child consenting to something that is permanent and irreversible. Growing your hair out, changing the way that you dress, changing your pronouns as a child, those are all things that you can modify later on in life and decide if you don't want to be a boy or a girl, you can change that back. But when you do a permanent irreversible operation on a child, you can't take that back. So you've got to have some guardrails. I'm going to start by saying that bullying children is never okay, especially when you are a sitting member of the U.S. House of Representatives. I've not bullied any as kids. A pediatrician, a I can't even. That's as a pediatrician, nuts. it is my duty and privilege to serve every child in the low country. The attacks that Nancy has thrown at me and our children's hospital and vulnerable transgender youth. That's a straight up lie. That's transgender youth in our community. You're just going to let her make all these lies up on stage. Representative Mace, just one moment. Please continue. You'll have an opportunity to bigoted and built on lies, and they are doing real harm to children in this community. Let's set the record straight. I do not support gender affirming surgery on minors. I never have, and those surgeries have never been done in the Low Country. But you. You know when I do see transgender kids? I see them when they show up at the children's hospital after they try to kill themselves because of bullying from adults like Nancy Mace because 50% of these kids think about hurting themselves and 30% of them actually do. So I have had enough of this hateful, bigoted rhetoric from our Congresswoman. And what to do about gun violence was also a prominent topic in the debate. Here's Andrews talking about the issue, which has been a key one of her campaign. And then Mace. As a pediatrician, I never expected to take care of so many children with bullet holes. But the fact is, gun violence is now the leading cause of death for children in this country. My opponent has an NRA A-plus rating, which is more important, important to her than our children's safety in school. 
after the tragic shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where 19 fourth graders and two teachers lost their lives in a matter of moments from a madman with an assault rifle, Nancy was the only woman from the Low Country who had the privilege to be in Washington, D.C., to take a vote to protect our children in their classrooms. I was so pleased when Congress worked quickly in a bipartisan fashion to pass a gun safety bill that Lindsey Graham supported, and I was deeply disappointed that Nancy voted no. She cares more about her NRA rating than she cares about her children's safety in school. When I am in Washington, D.C., I will fight for expanded background checks, federal secure storage laws, and federal red flag laws, all of which are supported by the vast majority of Americans. With my opponent, with what, what she's done, her work in the ER, I can't imagine, I sympathize how emotion and anger, the kind of emotions that she would see from seeing children who've been shot or people who were wounded by gunshots. And just in Chicago in the last week, there were 50 shootings where there is gun control, the heaviest gun control there is in the country. It's not working. 17 people were killed by guns in the city of Chicago in the last seven days. Over 200 people have been shot in the city of Chicago over the last month. 50 have been killed. 78% of Americans don't believe gun control is going to work. And to succeed on this kind of issue without uh, with having making a real difference without uh, hurting the the law-abiding citizens who aren't committing crimes and going after those who are. Uh, I've been a part of uh, bills, bipartisan bills like the active shooter alert. I've worked on strengthening background checks by consolidating criminal data and criminal records. Those are the kinds of things that Republicans and Democrats alike can work together on and make a real difference. Okay, now we got a roundup of FYIs for your calendar. So pull out your phone, pull out your little date book. If you're driving, don't do either of those things. But just remember that early voting is underway. Registered voters can vote from 8.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. at any early voting location in their county. And that's Monday, October 24th through Saturday, November 5th, excluding Sunday, October 30th. You can find locations, your sample ballot, and more at scvotes.gov. However, the website was down most of the day on Monday. I got some deeds for you on my Twitter at Gavin Jackson, though. Also, we have a debate alert. That's right. Candidates for governor will face off this Wednesday, October 26th at 7 p.m. in the only gubernatorial debate of the cycle, which is taking place on SCETV and South Carolina Public Radio. I'll be moderating along with Andy Shane from the Post and Courier, and we'll be asking questions to incumbent Republican Governor Henry McMaster and Democratic challenger, former 1st Congressional District Congressman Joe Cunningham. This will air on SCETV channels statewide and simulcast on South Carolina Public Radio, our YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as nationwide on C-SPAN. And the last date for you to remember Thursday, we'll get our first look at third quarter GDP numbers. Economists are forecasting a rebound after the first two quarters of the year saw negative growth. The consensus estimate is 2.4% of growth from July through September. Some little data tease there for you. Data. All right, let's start business off with some dreary news. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not me. It's Bloomberg reporting that a U.S. recession is effectively certain in the next 12 months, according to new Bloomberg economics model projections, which is a blow to President Joe Biden's economic messaging ahead of the November midterms. The latest recession probability models by Bloomberg economists Anna Wong and Eliza Winger forecast a higher recession probability across all timeframes 
with a 12-month estimate of a downturn by October 2023 hitting 100%. That's up from 65% for the comparable period in a previous update. Bloomberg continues that the forecast will be unwelcome news for Biden, who has repeatedly said that the U.S. will avoid a recession and that any downturn would be, quote, very slight, quote, as he seeks to reassure Americans the economy is on solid footing under his administration. But tightening financial conditions, persistent inflation, and expectations of a hawkish Federal Reserve pressing ahead with rate hikes are raising the risk of a contraction. Okay, so not so cool. I know. Let me see if I can find some encouraging news for you. Looks through notes. Ah, yes, here we go. The BMW Group announced on Wednesday that it was investing $1 billion in its Spartanburg plant to prepare for the production of electric vehicles, as well as $700 million to build a new high-voltage battery assembly facility in nearby Woodruff. BMW has partnered with Envision AESC, which will build a new battery cell factory in South Carolina to supply plant Spartanburg. BMW says Envision will produce BMW's newly developed sixth-generation round lithium-ion battery cells, which were specifically designed for the next-generation Neue-class electric vehicles. Here's Robert Engelhorn, president and CEO of BMW Manufacturing at the plant in Greer earlier this week. And we also recently celebrated 30 years here in South Carolina and the production of our 6 million BMW demonstrating our legacy and commitment to the people and the economy here in the upstate. Today's news underscores our commitment at BMW to lead the industry in terms of technology, environmental sustainability, and the production of the highest quality vehicles in the world. We are also proud to extend our commitment to the great state of South Carolina. We are all in, in this state. And look forward to shaping the future with our talented associates. Now, Oliver Zipsy, chairman of the BMW Group, also spoke on the future of the German automaker and the benefit of a supply chain closer to home. With the creation of this new facility, we will significantly increase our high-voltage battery production capacity for the plant. And you will be amazed, by the way, how big that factory is going to be. Battery factories are not small entities. Envision will build a completely new battery cell factory right here in the state of South Carolina. So the battery cells, it's a BMW cell. We're not purchasing another cell. They build a BMW design cell for our next generation of electrified vehicles, and they will be produced here in Spartanburg. And that means that this electrification plan sets the course for the mobility of the future made in Spartanburg, made in South Carolina, and, Senator, made in the United States of America. The Coordinating Council for Economic Development awarded $65 million from the closing fund for a grant to Spartanburg County to assist with costs related to the project. And, of course, Governor McMaster was also on hand and gave accolades to the company's dignitaries. And, of course, pointed out some cultural differences. I've been to BMW so many times lately. You know, these our German friends talk a little differently than we do. They all wear those tight leg, skinny pants, if y'all notice. But I... I've been here so much, I'm starting to say South Carolina instead of... 
I would like to hear a German impression of McMaster. I'm just going to say that. Now, the AP notes that the Inflation Reduction Act gives BMW and other automakers more incentive to build batteries in North America. It includes manufacturing tax credits and a tax credit for up to $7,500 that could be used to defray the cost of buying an electric vehicle. But to qualify for that full credit, the electric vehicle must contain a battery built in North America, with 40% of the metals mined or recycled on the continent. Zoom, zoom, baby. There is a mental health crisis gripping the country and our state as you've heard us talk about before. So here's some perspective that you might find shocking. South Carolina's teen suicide rate is 1.5 times above the national average. Suicide attempts have gone up as have visits to the emergency room since there is such a lack of psychiatric beds available in the state. Prior to the pandemic, two out of three children that had a treatable mental health condition did not seek treatment. and Those numbers have only gotten worse. Earlier this year, the governor issued an executive order asking the Department of Health and Human Services to perform a comprehensive review of the Department of Mental Health's School Mental Health Services Program. I spoke with Jeff Lyritz, Communications Director at SCDHHS, to learn more about their audit and how they plan to remedy this situation. We spoke on This Week in South Carolina. We had heard, um, obviously, and anecdotally with the governor's office as well, um, a, a lot of concerns and, um, you know, to the level that it wasn't really anecdotal anymore. Um, with lack of mental health access to uh, lack of access to mental health services in, in schools in South Carolina. So at the at the governor's direction, um, both in his executive order and in his uh, state of the state address, we looked into the um, mental health program that, that's operated in South Carolina schools that you know, it was really um, operated by the, the Department of Mental Health and found that there was only a um, mental health counselor in about every other school in South Carolina, about 50 percent of schools. And that the ratio of mental health counselors to students in South Carolina was about one counselor for 1,300 students. We have worked and have actually already implemented several things that we think will help us bring that ratio down to one in about 625, um, about 650. We're trying to cut that in half in this year and ensure that there is access to a mental health counselor in every school in the state. And we have a, a long-term goal to cut that in half again to get down to about one in every 325. So Jeff, when we look at the need for these counselors and, and funding situations, obviously we had you know just record amounts of money flowing through the budget this past year. Uh, it's my understanding that there was some money slated for, for this need. What ended up in the final budget that got to the governor's desk and, and how is that money getting pushed out? So a, a lot of what we have done um, with, with the additional money that we that we have for this is is that rate increase is increasing the rate counselors are able to reimburse or are able to be reimbursed for performing mental health services in the school and um, uh, we've also contracted with the psychology school psychology at the University of South Carolina and they have developed the South Carolina Behavioral Health Academy uh, which is available at scsbha.com um, or scsbha.org. Um, and that is um, also to provide schools with resources in not just giving them flexibility and, and saying, okay, you can go, you now have more op opportunities to hire your own counselors, good luck. It's um, also helping them integrate um, mental health counseling into 
their day-to-day -day operations, making sure that those resources are available um, for our, our school or for our students and our families and our schools. Jeff, really quick, we have 30 seconds. Can I just ask you about the state of uh, psych beds available in the state? Uh, we were hearing from Robbie Kerr, the director of DHHS, that you know there were more beds available 20 years ago than there are now. Any idea about how many operational psych beds are in the state and how you guys are addressing that problem? 30 seconds. So we were also given some money by the General Assembly, some one-time money to look at the the end-to-end -end behavioral health landscape in the state. And one of the things that we're looking at is being able to triage people who are uh, receiving mental health care that right now they're receiving that care in an emergency room. That's not the ideal setting. Uh, we're, we're looking at ways to look at that end-to-end um, -end spectrum of care from when somebody first is able to, to access treatment to, to people who are, are needing to be in a, in a um, facility um, where they have additional psychiatric needs. So we're, we're looking at that with the one-time money that we've received from the General Assembly and, and really looking at building that infrastructure um, around that with a longer-term goal of, of making sure that there's uh, care throughout that continuity. A lot of work still needs to be done, especially when it comes to treating mental health issues in our state and among teens especially. You can find that entire report on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how you're doing. Hey, how are we supposed to know if you don't tell us, okay? We're not, how do we, you gotta talk, I, you gotta not, call. I'm, I'm just gonna tell you guys, we're not mind readers, okay? Yeah, we, like, we, I, are, we are no longer allowed to be mind readers. I wish we were, but we lost that in that legal battle, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. That's why they set the voicemail box up, 803-563-7169. Oh, what a good transition. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it's good to oh, laugh again, AT, it's oh, good to see you. Oh, it's so good to feel good finally again, and I say that while I feel bad. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, are you feeling good? No, I'm the, not. The, still in constant the pain. The foot hurts anew, honestly. Um, so uh, it's, it's a new fresh hell that I'm just dealing with. And honestly, it helps when I talk with you. Okay. Uh -huh. Call uh, for AT. With Gavin, with all you good listeners. Mm, I love you. Anyway, Gavin, we got a call. Mm. And I got to say, we might be letting them down a little bit. Mm. But hopefully afterwards we'll get a uh, a little pick me up, okay? Yeah. Okay. I'm just gonna a make little, noises. Mm. A little unconventional pick me up, okay? Ah. Okay. So you ready? Ooh. Hello. I am a return caller, and I'm listening to lead today, and thought you know I really wanted to contribute to that triple dip. Um, really needs to happen, y'all. Um, I'd like to shout out to my husband. Um. We had a baby girl in August, and he has been incredibly supportive as I've been on maternity leave. We're both school teachers, um, and it's just been really rough to get going, and they don't like to pay you when you're on maternity leave, so it's been a little rough, and he has been a rock star in taking care of all of us. Um, I was trying to convince him of the state fair a little bit, but... Honestly, it's hard to convince him when we have the two-month-old baby and the four-year-old boy. So um, we're probably not going to get to see uh, your foot. I'm sorry. Not sorry, but, you know. I hope you all have a good time, and I appreciate all the, all the news and all the updates that you give us. Keep up the good work. 
Thank you for turning baby's mama caller, mm-hmm. insert name here. Yes. Um, and and con- ba- baby's mama does work like attorney's general. Attorney's general, general so yes. With that, we just debated with, this. With that yes. second child, you get to be a baby's mama. mama. Okay, Gavin, keep going. Sorry. Uh, yeah, congratulations on that baby girl. Baby mamas, baby's mama. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, also, God, God bless these two working teacher parents with a four-year-old running around too. My goodness. Oh my gosh. I know, I know. Um, and she said that uh, she said that she didn't get to make it to the fair to see your foot. I will tell the people that the when fo- you put your when you elevated your foot onto the table, yes, is when the people started coming to the table. That's when the questioning looks began. Uh, they it were like just, it was it was yeah. like a freak show sort of deal, you know? Like well, what's that saw, over there? They saw the the boot and they also saw the smaller sign that says Talk to me Talk about to ghosts. Talk to us about ghosts. Yes. Yeah. Uh and yeah, we, we got some. And I, I will say if you had come, I would have unveiled the foot. Oh. It, but it, it was in the boot the whole time. Mm-hmm. So no one got safe. The, the full foot effect, the triple uh, 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 no, the <laughs> effect starts with an E. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, no one really got to see it, but, yeah. uh, and I am sorry that I played your call now and it's not during a triple dip, mm-hmm. the triple dip mm. throw down challenge still stands, but I didn't get enough, mm. you know, and, uh, the calls I do have besides this one are all uh, three minutes plus. Yeah. So that's not going to work for a triple a dip. solid nine, nine minute dip. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little too much. But so while this wasn't a triple dip, this is going to be an unconventional double dip here Uh-oh. because I also got a text to the the our, our voicemail line from Grand Strand Roman. Okay. okay. So I will read this for him here. A1. <laughs> I really appreciate being able to make contributions to my favorite podcast. Huge pick me up when I'm stress eating about not having published a novel yet. Gavin, I hope we would be uh, <laughs> characters in Roman's novel. Uh, yeah, I would think. B2, nothing would make me happier than delivering a piping hot quiche to you and Gavin at the fair. Ugh. I'd bust out the Andre's Triple Cream Brie from ye old Whole Foods wow. for you guys. Yeah, that's high praise. C3, hot take. Take five is the best rare Halloween candy. Mm, we'll get back to that. D4, hot take. Snickers is the best common Halloween candy. And mm. E5, candy corn reminds me of my grandmother's house and the glass dish that had candy corn in it well into jelly bean season. Mm. Roman, thank you for the text. Thank you for the topics. Okay, um, so let's unpack this. Yeah, I'm, I'm just conf- when you first said A1, I was like, okay, we're going to be talking about steak sauce here. I'm wondering why <laughs> Roman did A and 1. I thought we'd just do A or you, B. You get A1, one B2. Two. It's like a newspaper, well, isn't it? Speaking of B2, yeah. don't, don't condescend newspapers right here. I'm not going to stand for that. <laughs> B2, I have a question. How would he keep the quiche piping hot? Would he deliver it like a Domino's where it's like yes. there's the oven in the car still? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah I, I'm pretty sure Roman, if anyone, would have an oven-equipped vehicle. It's, it's not an it's not an everyday drive. It's definitely for quiche delivery only. And I'd be like, oh, it's too hot now. Anyway, let's get to C3. <laughs> take five being the rare, best rare Halloween candy. Um, <laughs> I uh, forgot about take five. Take five is good. I like it. What's in a take five, um, Gavin? Can uh, you can tell we, me? Just, oh, it's a Reese, Reese's. Thank you. Take five. Yes. <laughs> uh, five layers of sweet and salty goodness that mm-hmm. doesn't ask you to compromise. It's crunchy pretzels, smooth peanut butter, salty peanuts, and I had to click through, yes. and I'm waiting. I remember it's, it's all covered in a chocolatey coating. <laughs> I like that you shouted me down. 
yeah, I think, you know what, Roman? That sounds good. I, I like a Reese's. I like peanut butter. Uh, I, I love peanut butter. And peanut butter and pretzel. Of course. Would love that. And now this says also telling me that I grab this snack the next time you want to mix things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to keep with this. We're, we're going to jump to E5 candy corn. You want to skip common <laughs> Halloween candy. Uh, I don't even want to address I would D4. Say, I would say Reese's ID or Reese's pieces. Uh, most common would probably be Snickers is pretty common. I would also say like your uh, Three Musketeers. I'm just thinking of everything that's in our coworker Abby's office that I steal. On I don't basis. love oh, the Three Musketeers. Oh, um, the things that we don't like, we can talk about too. Absolutely. We, we talked to e- E5 here, candy corn, malt balls. Oof, yeah. Whoppers, a whopper, specifically. A Whopper is, 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 it's unpleasant, just overall. A Dry. Ne- <laughs> a Necco <laughs> wafer, a Necco wafer. That's just cruel and unusual punishment. Those are, those are dust Pretty conveyors. sure, pretty sure the, the U.S. Supreme Court would would agree with me on that. Yes, unusual that, punishment there. The, I think the Hague has ruled on that. Actually, also <laughs> the fake Tootsie Roll, the fruit Tootsie Roll. What? Throw it away. I've never even heard of that. Oh yeah, it's a real thing. And uh, E five candy corn. Sure, I think candy corn's whole deal is is its nostalgia. You know what I mean? Fruit like, juice. yeah, it, it wouldn't have any sort of foothold in any sort of. Uh, modern day yes exactly if it if it didn't have a hundred years of history it's really just a structural candy it's disgusting it is is used probably behind the scenes in gingerbread construction that no one talks about because it's still (laughs) around gavin just bringing infrastructure into this (laughs) into this episode and and don't get me wrong it's just like those little chewy pumpkins too which those are the same thing these are the things that it's like i hate but when i'm desperate and i see them i'm like Oh, I'm just gonna eat a handful. Oh, you're of gonna them. eat them. Yeah, you I'm gonna do it. You I'm Vince, not gonna be smiling. You and Vince Coldluga are, are gonna eat them. Structural um, candy. I think like it's it's for anyone who's ever wondered like, oh, man, I <laughs> I wonder what eating that candle would taste like. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't oh. taste good. It's disgusting. Yeah. Oh, uh, we need Sean on here. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, producer Sean, he is a candy, candy aficionado. Expert. That's a good idea. We got to have him on before Halloween to really break down yes, the candies that we're looking idea. for. Right, a confectioner exactly uh, and of curiosity. He, he's he's he uh, has a cur- Halloween candy expert. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a Halloween local candy expert. Halloween candy expert. Sean uh, local local man knows candy. Sean Birch, <laughs> and we can then we can get into candy canes later on. Ooh, candy canes. Season. Caitlin, do you want to say something? She's Caitlin she's is right sitting there. here. She's, she's looking she, at us. She has the tip come of here, her tongue. Caitlin, come here. Get on mic, Caitlin. Come here. Get over here. No, you have to get on mic. Get over here. Oh, <laughs> candy. Oh, you could be like a candy anthropologist. We're getting the rap sign from my wife, who's, getting, who's sitting in for. The lights blinking. She's pressed the light. <laughs> she's sitting in for Chippy, who's somewhere. We got I don't hard know out where. 20 seconds, AT. Okay, so get, say goodbye, Gavin. Have a good week, everyone. Call in if you want that triple dip. Be like our baby's mama and give us a shout, folks. 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. You can also give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love those, too. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Gonna be a ringer. <laughs> She's gonna cheat. Kaylin. Hey, like, quiet on <laughs>